0: This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2Gogo.com, the award winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit vo 2 Start for a free Getting Started in Voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's vo 2 slash Start.
1: Welcome to episode 163 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer.
0: And I'm Trevor Elgott.
1: And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, agents, managers, casting directors, and actors and artists and storytellers of all kinds. And we package it up into this little podcast and put it on the internet for you to listen to. Hello! (laughs)
0: I do feel like sometimes we should find a shorter way to say all that stuff. Like I you know, we I like the list because it makes us sound really like prolific and diverse, but also it takes a long time to say. And we always <laughs> we always seem to kind of trip over it about halfway through. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so we're just two dudes, just two dudes that were looking for the answers. We decided to start this podcast so we could have a great excuse to reach out to the people we wanted to talk to and sit down with them hear about their journey and uh and build a community around information that should be free frankly that we shouldn't have to pay 35 to go to a, a workshop for Ooh, so that's nice this, thank you <laughs> that's what this thing is all about so if you guys hear something on the show we're not here to try to be right about things we're here to just talk about it and find out what is kind of the the best path for you specifically it might not be the best path for somebody else but what's the best path for you so we take everything and just kind of put it out there and and just want to keep the conversation going so in that spirit if you hear something that you agree with or disagree with we want to hear from you find out all the different ways you can get in touch with us at our website insideactingpodcast.com
1: and on this episode we have part one of Trevor's interview with the beautiful and talented queen of horror actress Freya Grant so stick around for that
0: Yo, everybody! What's going on? Welcome to episode 163 of Inside Acting. How you doing, AJ? I'm
1: I'm good, man. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. I, I, I feel, what was it? My buddy Mike used to say, "I feel good. I feel good. I look great." <laughs> well, come
0: on, that's obvious, you know. How is uh, How is your career this week? What's new in your in your professional life?
1: I I have a meeting on Monday for. Oh, I can't say. I signed oh, an shit. NDA. You signed an NDA. God yeah, damn. awesome, man. I signed an NDA, but if, how can I say this? For anyone who's been paying attention to what's about to be start to what's about to start shooting in New York, um, that might require someone signing an NDA. I think you can put the pieces together and know what I'm auditioning for. Oh shit, I think
0: I'm I have just, an idea.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone who's been paying attention will will have an idea on what that is. So, uh, Congrats pretty stoked on about Halo that. movie. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the most popular video games of all time, so I yeah, don't know how niche that is yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have a meeting on on Monday. Uh this week was spent I I I this isn't super career related, but I I filed for an extension on my taxes for the first time ever this mm. year. And I, so I, the, dead, the, the October deadline is coming up and, and I'm basically trying to get that done. So okay. yeah. I, 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 my head has been in, in receipts for the yeah, last no, for the last week.
0: My roommate's in the same exact spot where he's just like, oh, God, taxes, I got to deal with this. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm, I'm well acquainted.
1: Unfortunately, that has been taking up a lot of my time. I have gotten out of the house to go to some voice lessons, which is what I've oh, been cool. um, spending my my time and money as far as getting better as a performer mm-hmm. on uh, recently. W- was
0: this a direct result <clears throat> of uh, the kind of comment that you mentioned you, or not comment, maybe more sort of like the the one-person feedback that you received at uh, a recent meeting?
1: I knew I wanted to start going to voice lessons, especially having not Especially not being in a, in a show anymore, and 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 that kind of thing. I knew that I wanted to be um, prepared for luck, as that photo that you put in the dispatch, uh-huh. you know, uh, said. I, I wanted to be prepared for whatever um, whatever came my way, and and you know, it's like it's not I'm not singing karaoke mm-hmm. uh, at a bar in L.A. anymore. It's 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 a it's a different it's a different ball game. So i went to get coaching before that audition and then i and then i got that feedback and i was like i can either get upset about it which i did i got upset for you know i allowed myself to get upset for a few minutes
0: sure and just to jog listeners memories this was the comment i guess i guess a guy told you that your voice is not broadway ready or something
1: it was a cat it was the casting director uh-huh. for um she works for tara Rubin's office and they cast uh, uh aladdin okay and so, okay. yeah, she basically said that, uh, you know, uh, my voice was not strong enough for what they were looking for for the role, wow. which my agent and I interpreted as not being Broadway ready. Okay. And for those of you who know me, like you, Trev, you know that I am just one loud mother effer. So to hear that, it was like, really? And uh, so anyway, lots of conversation with my agent and this this vocal coach the idea being that i don't ever want to hear that feedback again Mm. ever Mm -hmm. i mean unless they're just being lazy and i was like you know too tall for the costume or something interesting you know which is is entirely possible that that is probably
0: the case actually as well just because you are a tall motherfucker as well uh you know it's interesting at the masterminds meeting we had the other night gadali who also happens to be our web and marketing director uh, he said something to me that really kind of landed, and this is something I'd heard in um, the Wake Up Productive training that I've done a couple times. I've got these this series of videos from this guy named Evan Pagan, and it's it's called Wake Up Productive, and it's just yeah,
1: it's just, yeah. So he's mentioned it on the podcast oh God, before. It's,
0: it's so awesome. It's world changing stuff if you actually put in the work. But sure. one of the things that Evan said and that gadali reminded me of because uh, we were talking about goal setting, you know, and, and a life pursuing goals. And some of the feedback that I got was that I'm very goal oriented, which can be a good thing, but it can also be kind of crippling. And gadali said, stop focusing on setting and accomplishing goals and start focusing on solving problems. And that, what you just said about, you know, getting this feedback and. And uh, not wanting to be in that situation to get that feedback again just reminded me, you're not setting goals, you're solving problems. And I think that it's, a, it's an important oh, wow. distinction to make sometimes because we can set goals and do huge things but, but still be swimming upstream, you know, still kind of have the parking brake on, so to speak, uh, while we're driving towards these goals. But if you're, if you focus yeah. on solving problems, it's a slightly different approach. I know it's kind of semantics, but… That's kind of what came to mind when I heard you speaking about this, because you're you're solving a problem. You're like, my goal is to is to be, you know, an an actor who is (laughs) is Broadway ready, like 100 percent of the time. Yeah. I'm solving the problem of this feedback. And, you know, that's a rough thing to hear, man. I mean, I I applaud you for allowing yourself to take the feedback in and feel what you were going to feel, because I think that would that would kind of knock the wind out of anybody, so to speak. But you got right back on the horse and you're like, here we go. I'm going to solve this problem.
1: I, 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 wow, I, that's a that's great. I kudos Gadali. That's it's kind of baking yeah. my noodle right now. Yeah, God, my only concern with it is I don't want to be problem focused. Mm-hmm. But but I but I guess you know, I mean we we talk about it from the casting director's point of view all the time. It's like I have a problem, which is that I need I don't have an actor for this role, and so you actor you are the solution. But yeah, I didn't I never thought about the fact that it can it can actually be applied to a lot of different aspects of of our careers it's like um i don't have a reel that's a problem my goal is to have a reel but solving the problem is okay the problem is like i don't have footage or right the pro you know what i mean so like i in order to get to that goal i just need to solve these this series of of, of problems and you talked about it in the um i think in the eric england uh interview about the um the steps yeah you know this yeah. st- like you you just need to know what the next step is and then the next one after that
0: it's something It's that really mean, interesting yeah and i, I don't want to over complicate <clears throat> it too much because really when you set a goal the idea is that to then kind of chunk it down into sub goals but sure, i think sure, it's an sure. important thing to to keep in mind that sometimes people are like you know i'm gonna make a hundred thousand dollars this year and then they just kind of like focus on the hundred thousand dollars and like wait for things to happen. But it's so important to create a, a detailed plan of action and just start executing it and, and shifting along the way as you get feedback and, and things. And that's the problem solving part. Right. And I think that's what Gadali was going for is that I, I like huh. to think big and set big goals, but it's like it, it what it comes down to is the day to day problem solving. Yeah. And if you focus on just removing this obstacle, alleviating this circumstance, moving forward, that's where. That's how you accomplish goals. You know, small numbers every day.
1: That is fantastic. I am. I am. I am all about that. Boom. Um, is there an alpha yeah. bomb
0: in here? Is there a, is there a three? Two, I,
1: I don't know. There it is. There's an alpha. Okay. Element. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, we both just stopped talking. Um, I. Yeah, I and I, we might actually need to figure out uh, if we can find some kind of uh, noodle-baking uh, sound effect. I don't know what that would sound like.
0: I, I think I have um, one. It's like water-boiling, kind of. But,
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> water-boiling. It's the closest oh, I've got in the library. It's yeah. going to turn into one of those like uh, s- Saturday morning rock shows that you hear on like the rock on the rock and roll like know, uh, all radio f- station. <laughs> all those little cheesy sound effects. Oh, God, commenting on every single word. Yeah, I know. Um, so you you din- you denied me a story about a meeting you had uh, when we were recording the last episode. So I really want to know. I really want to know what, what's going on uh, in your. Uh, w- well,
0: uh, let's see here. I mean, the two big things kind of this week are one, I finally have a website again, which you just commented on before we started recording. So it feels good to have a home base. It's actually been a long time and I've always been a little bit embarrassed to have this podcast, but not actually have a website for my, you know, professional stuff. But now I do uh, still needs work, but it's up. So it's kind of cool. Um, so there's yeah. that. And then uh, I've also um, loving these voiceover classes. There's a, been a slight shift in the way that they're... Um, taught sort of or, or the way i lead them now so this coming sunday the 12th uh, i'll be leading another class the october kind of intensive in uh, in hollywood and anybody who'd like to learn more can check out uh, my website or vo VO2gogo.com. and there's like a whole workbook thing now i'm really excited to to dig into this and and work with this kind of new format and the slideshows are brand new and everything and of course there's always on mic work so that's really exciting so, bam, uh, self plug over. The story from last week. <laughs> the story from last week was that I I had a you know I had another audition for this show. Uh, the thing is, I have got this this kind of look right now where my hair is pretty long. I haven't cut it since I broke my elbow and my wrist, and I don't know why. I just haven't. So I've got the hair and I got the beard, and I've been getting like the Jesus thing pretty much every day. People are like, "Oh, you kind of look like Jesus," and. Um, it's, it's kind of like not funny every time, but that's cool. I don't mind. (laughs) Um, there are worse people to be compared to, but, uh, so I went you know, this thing because I get a lot of calls for kind of like motorcycle guys or hippies or like, you know, musician rock star kind of characters. And so I, I got a call for this and it was like a little small role as a rock star guy. And I, I read the breakdown and I read the lines and I was like, Hey, this is great. This is a shoe and I'm, I'm in for this. This is going to be fantastic. So it was on the Warner brothers lot in Burbank. I think it was the Warner brothers lot. And so I went all the way out there and, you know, got my pass and walked on with through security, but they don't give you a map. They just kind of give you directions. And so I spent like a good 20 minutes just kind of wandering around the, the lot, you know, trying to find what this thing was. And finally I was like, all right, I, I can't figure this out. I can't find a security guard or something to give me directions. Someone's going to look for a guy that looks like me and I'm going to follow him. Until I find this, this this spot. And so I saw this dude who that was like is the yeah. best. <laughs> I that's kind of like what I do now. If I'm lost, I'm just like, where's the guy that looks just like me?
1: Oh my god, it's so true and so funny. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I, I saw this one dude who was wearing uh tight black leather pants, had just tattoos all over, had a mohawk with like dyed purple hair, piercings everywhere, and was wearing a black leather jacket with no shirt. And I was kind of like, Oh, he's he might be here for what i 'm here for because he 's kind of fits the rock star thing, but maybe he 's here for a show or a movie or an, maybe he 's going to be an extra or he 's an audience member or something i 'll just follow him and see where this leads. So I followed the dude and we walked like half a mile through all these like little alleyways and stuff and around buses and you know sound stages and finally found this little door. And I was like, "Cool, I found it." And I walk in and there were like eight other guys that were like actual rock stars. They were like fully tatted out, you know, like they were like they were like the deal, the guys. And I'm just a guy with long hair wearing jeans and a t-shirt, and I I felt immediately like, "Oh god, damn it. <laughs> like I didn't go far enough, I guess, or or I'm again not being cast kind of appropriately or something." So you know, after seeing, you know, eight of these guys going before me and then me going in and, and getting the feedback that I got, not the feedback, but the adjustments that I got were very much like we want messier, more like angry, drunk, rock star, kind of smashing guitar kind of guy. And I just wasn't fitting that that part. So mm-hmm. I was leaving and I was thinking two things. It's a long story to get to these two, two kind of lessons. Number one, uh, I didn't go far enough. Like next time I get a role, a role like that, I am going to... I'm going to try just like playing Halloween, you know, just like dressing up Mm -hmm. and seeing what what happens, you know. I mean, it doesn't feel quite right to me, but fuck it, why not, right? Because some of these guys either did or they actually are like that, and one of them got the role. So there's that. And the second thing is um, it it can be a little exhausting to kind of play dress up like that sometimes. I mean, I'm going to give it a shot, but it doesn't really appeal to me on a, a sort of core level. And I was thinking, we were talking about this last week after we start, uh, stopped recording, I was thinking about um, Britt Marling's story. We've talked about her time and time again on the show. And if you look at a picture of Britt Marling, anybody listening to this, if you're in front of a computer or on your phone, just Google Britt Marling, and you'll see a picture of a beautiful, blonde hair, blue-eyed, like late twenties, early thirties woman who's just gorgeous. And when she came to LA, she was being cast all the time as the girl in the <clears throat> bikini running from the guy with the chainsaw in the woods. That was like her type. That's how everybody saw her. They were like attractive blonde girl. This is her way in, just kind of these these, you know, horror flicks or whatever. And she just wasn't vibing with it. She was like, this is not me. I don't know why I can't get the roles that fit me. I understand how the how the industry perceives me, but I'm not that person she 's much more kind of soft spoken and sort of artsy and uh, and then she started she taught herself to write and she started making her own films with uh, a couple friends and whatnot and you know her films are kind of everywhere now and uh, if you see her work now you 'd be like, "Oh God, I would never cast her as the girl in the bikini running from the guy in the chainsaw that 's just not her so the second lesson to kind of wrap this up and put a bow on it is is to demonstrate, to, to by, by creating my own work, to show the industry how to cast me. Mm. And, and, and instead of playing dress-up or playing Halloween or whatever, just being like, close, like, I know I got the long hair and the beard thing going, but that doesn't mean I'm a rocker. I'm actually this kind of guy. And write the role that's perfect for it, and put it out there. And actually, yeah. it's something that Bria talks about in the second part of this episode, or this, of this interview, she talks a lot about, uh, writing the perfect role and just getting it out there on the web immediately, just getting it up there, supercharging huh. your career, just like showing the world how they should cast you and how they should kind of perceive you. And I, I think there's a lot of value in that.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you know what it is? It, it is the uh, super version, <laughs> capital S super version of what, uh, Mark Atterbury talks about. Yeah. Yeah. Right like brand- branding. I mean it's, he's all about you know, uh, getting to your core uh, type, I guess because he does his type workshop, getting to your core type and then branding according to that. So like his postcards, <clears throat> uh, like he was being cast a lot as like the evil best friend or something. So mm-hmm. his postcards were like purple and black uh, yeah. around the edges uh, and on the back. And, you know, he, he even says, like, on the postcard, I think it even said something like, you know, you know, Mark Atterbury, you're, 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 you know, the Your creepy guy. Style. Yeah, it was <laughs> like the creepy guy. He, yeah, it said, like, <laughs> the creepy guy next door, the evil best friend, and the something else. Like, these three sort of archetypes. Yeah. Um, and so what you're talking about, what Britt does, what Bria is talking about is, is, the, is the supercharged version of that. It's, it's rather than it being just your marketing materials, it's video, which is a marketing tool, uh, whether it's going to be your reel or a project or a web series or a, a thing. Um, that's really fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, cause I, you know, it's, it, this, this, uh, this meeting I was discussing that's coming up on, on Monday is for, uh, like, a. um, a baddie like a, a hired gun basically and i've been going out a lot for those and i feel like they think i'm bigger than i actually am and when i walk in the room they're like oh he's slender he's tall but he's slender and then they don't know what to do they're like uh. mm-hmm. so i just keep te- taking these opportunities to go in and book the room and that's what i that's what you and i talked about last week with with when we were you know speaking about this example after we stopped recording You know it's an opportunity to go in and book the room but it's also you know not necessarily it's it's not a waste of time because you can go in and book the room but it's like looking at the page i'm like i don't think i don't think i'm perfect for this so i doubt i'm going to book this i think this audition is going to be more about booking the office right
0: you know planting seeds Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah but but at a certain point it's like well i keep getting called in for this so unless they figure out that i'm not this guy i have to tell them yeah and the only way to do that is all these strategies that we're talking about yeah that's interesting
0: that's an opportunity to make an adjustment with your materials i mean clearly they're perceiving you one way so yeah i mean it's an opportunity to look at to look at your materials again and be like what what about my stuff is is selling them on this kind of sort of less accurate (laughs) version of, right. of what I can do best, you know? Right. Um, huh. Yeah, it's, it's kind of awesome when you think about it, man. You know, it's, it's really pretty cool to think, like, I have the ability now in 2014 to completely fill out my portfolio, all my materials, all my work, and demonstrate exactly what I am, you know, or mm. what I want to be seen as. And if I'm a chameleon actor, great, then I can do that. I mean, there's this uh, this girl I work with at the Douglas now. She's an actress, and she's doing a character a day on YouTube, where she she's very much like a a sort of she's just graduated from USC's uh, masters program and she's uh she's very much like a, a stage actor and every day she's just doing a minute long, like super raw, super dirty. Uh not like dirty dirty, but like, you know, simple. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: It's <laughs> like Yeah. V- video of her uh just doing a character. So something just makes up on the spot. It takes her all of five minutes to to shoot and then, you know, upload. And I just think it's a really great way to be in practice and and put your work out there. And, you know, that's her thing. She's very much like a character actor. She can do just about anything. And for me, I I think I'm a little bit more limited, but not in a bad way. I just, I've just come from a a sort of a more of a Brit Marlin approach where it's like, no, I'm a little bit kind of more, not authentic, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm more homegrown, I think. Not in a you're, bad way. You're, you know you're I mean?
1: probably you're probably going to play yourself as opposed to play a caricature or character. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I, I don't. That's and like you said, that's not. A, it's not a bad thing at all. There's. It's just. There's different energies and different uh, practices. I think when it comes yeah. to these various things, and that's really cool. By the way, that uh, <clears throat> that character a day thing.
0: Yeah, I think it is too, man. I really love it. Really that's love really it. cool. Yeah.
1: Trevor and I want to discuss what essentially is a listener pick that was sent to us by Freddie, um, and it's a it's a blog uh, by, a, I think, an, an, an anonymous actor. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Truth sort of like 59 is the name of this person.
1: He's very active on the backstage forums, giving people really great advice to actors. Recently, on his blog, he posted something very interesting regarding Backstage Magazine. Check it out. Uh, Leave it up to you guys, whether or not you want to talk about it on the show. So to talk about what he talks about on this blog, he sort of calls out some of the recent practices by Backstage that I have been aware of for the last couple years, but he actually makes a really concise uh, list. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
0: and this is this is interesting i do just want to preface this with what happened this week is we got we got kind of uh chosen as one of like la what was what was it, the exact kind of title it's like, for it?
1: M- m- se- the, like 17 must follow la organizations for actors yeah or something w- which like is
0: that. super cool and we're really flattered and honored uh and yet there's this this side of it so i'm sorry go ahead aj
1: <clears throat> well that that is part of it <laughs> that list is sort of is sort of po- part of it so um He he cites a, a few different examples, starting with the backstage polls. Backstage polls used to make actors aware of teachers who were voted as top teachers because they were highly respected by the students and actually produced results. Now they have become nothing but popularity contests and social media bombardment campaigns. A teacher whom I respect because of their integrity and the fact that she made a difference mentioned that this year. Backstage tried to... This is where it gets bad... Backstage tried to sell her a, quote, campaign package. Of course, she refused and unfortunately did not make the nomination round. Yuck. Huh. Yuck. WTF backstage is trying to make money off of these polls now? Yeah. It was really clear uh, this year who's te- who, who the teachers uh, who actually gave backstage money were. The articles? Oh, how I missed the day of Michael Kostroff, hopefully a future IP guest, side note, and Jackie uh, Appod. DACA? Mm -hmm. Both were huge advocates, actors, um, and knew what it was like in the trenches. They never had an agenda behind their articles. Aside from Secret Agent Man, whose articles are still great, we now get mostly articles with branding consultants, unqualified teachers, and just plain old charlatans. Hmm. Exhibit A, a marketing coach promoting a marketing coach. Hmm. (laughs) And then a link. Or how about an actor with a few major credits and not on Michael Kostrup's level telling people to question the director, and then another link, mm. um, and then he talks about backstage university, which is basically like CD workshops, and he has a link to, of course, a video um, uh, from Billy demota
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, these are uh, yeah.
1: these are just some, and these are just some of the examples. I, I was telling Trevor before we started recording. I happen to know that a couple of years ago, because. Every sort of print, magazine, newspaper, whatever, is going out of business, including backstage. They sold off the entire business, and it was taken over by this huge media conglomerate. And they came in, and not only did they fire a bunch of my friends who worked for the magazine, but they completely changed their online content and strategy, and this is sort of some of the results that you're seeing, you know, a couple years after that, that sort of corporate takeover. It's really unfortunate. I get the business aspect of it. I, I understand that they need to compete in order to keep the doors open, which is A, why they let people go, and B, why they changed a lot of their strategies, et cetera, et cetera. But as with anything, our show included, I'm including us in this, with anything out there where people are giving advice, it must be taken with a grain of salt. You must know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And, and thankfully the big difference here is that we're not trying to sell anything.
0: Yeah. And I think it was Buddha that said something like, I'm going to butcher this, but like, listen to nothing that I say unless it agrees with your own sense of right and wrong. And that was a mm-hmm. major paraphrase, but it was mm-hmm. something along those lines. And I think that's so true. It's like in the end, the only person who knows what's going to be the best for you is you. Um, but it is, it is sad to hear that, you know, I mean, it's a business, like you said, and you got to respect business practices and, you know, they're finding ways to, you know, keep the doors open and make money and, and remain valuable. But it sounds like they're cutting corners in places that are, uh, maybe not serving the community i mean so so you know it is interesting because we're again we're flattered so flattered and so stoked to be chosen as one of their must follow organizations Uh, but at the same time check these things out and find out what works for you because in the end uh pretty much everybody's kind of in it for themselves um and you gotta kind of just find out what uh what works for you
1: amen so yeah that was kind of tough for us to do considering uh you know the recent uh, honor they bestowed upon us. That being said, that 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 that's sort of part of it. Like lists like that, it's it's you know we've talked about link baiting on the podcast before, and it's 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 similar because you're you know of course every single organization that's on that list is going to tweet and post and we did it. Sure it, you know yeah. it was cool to be on a list with you know with all those with all those people, but yeah. at the same time that drives traffic, which drives advertising dollars, which is probably yeah. what 's keeping their doors open
0: yeah yeah you know, and, you know if anybody on the backstage staff or anything like that is listening to this uh, and would like to kind of you know, offer their two cents or their, their vantage point. I would love to,
1: Oh, that, that would be amazing.
0: I would love it. I'm, we're definitely not trying to demonize <clears throat> anybody here or make enemies or anything. We're just trying to kind of look at all angles and really just make sure that people are getting information that's sound and trustworthy. Uh, and then of course, empowering them to make their own choices.
1: That's that I would love that. I would love if, if, if someone close to backstage or, or, um, actually on the staff because they do they have a lot of people that that now write articles for instance and blogs for them that that do it uh, um, pro bono yeah so um if if it was somebody that actually was you know making the making the decisions i would i would love for them to get in touch with the podcast so uh i think we can just roll into the interview yeah i think so okay right on so here's part one of trevor's interview with uh, actress Bria Grant so uh, hope you enjoy and we'll see you on the other side
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Trev, and I'm super stoked to be sitting across from the lovely Bria Grant, who is an actress and a filmmaker, and she's been in kind of a ton of stuff. If you look at her IMDb profile, you'll see basically bazillions of stuff that she's done, but she's kind of most well-known, I think, for recurring roles on Dexter, Friday Night Lights, um, Heroes. You've also been on Anger Management, a couple of the CSI shows. You make films. you've, You've been in a bunch of films. Welcome.
2: Thank you. It's, Thanks it's, for having me.
0: It's really exciting to be sitting across from you, especially yes. as somebody who's kind of to me, guys, I was reading your blog and, and, and reading up about like some of the articles you you've written for Missing the Biz and oh, yeah. you really kind of taken your career into your own hands.
2: Oh yeah, definitely in the last few years for sure. Awesome. Do you do voiceover? You have like such a voiceover voice.
0: Well, thank you. You
2: do. You have like when I'm sitting here listening to it, like <laughs> so soothing. Love
0: I it. Did, I, I did, I've learned how to work the mic. I
2: know it's impressive. I feel As like my voice is just like a loud record scratch whenever I'm talking. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll work on it. Uh, so, so yeah, super stoked to be sitting across from you because that's really the kind of what what we talk about the most on this show is not just waiting around for the phone to ring, not yeah. just trying to score those auditions, but building genuine you know, meaningful relationships over time and mm-hmm. then also creating your own stuff and bringing your own value to the table. And that's really what your career from my vantage point has been all about. So, oh, yeah, I mean, I love that. right, right. I'm such a
2: positive spin on my career. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, t- let's, let's start there. Like, tell us a little bit about how you got started because you were born in Texas, born in Texas, uh, born and raised. And uh, then what, lived there. What, what brought you into this world? Um, or- I yeah. lived in Texas
2: till I was twenty four. Actually, I went to graduate school at the University of Texas in Austin. Awesome. Uh, undergrad and graduate school. I got a degree in American Studies, which is super useful. I use it all the time. Just kidding. I pay my student loans every month and curse curse my life. Um, but it was good for me. I'm. I feel like you know there are people who are like thirteen going on thirty. I'm kind of like thirty going on thirteen. Like I needed. I needed a college experience because I grew up in a small town and I was basically. I was just like i was just I was not very street smart <laughs> and okay. I still I still do things that are probably not street smart, um so I needed a college experience I think to sort of uh uh educate me and and make me grow up and learn to live in the real world a little bit more than like in the small town where you don't lock your door and you know mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. walk everywhere and whatever. I went to school and then while I was in graduate school, I decided i didn't want to be a, a professor anymore. there were people who are. Much better at it, better at it than I was. And, you, you
0: originally wanted to be a professor. Uh,
2: in American Studies, I was going to teach American history. That was like kind of my goal. And I looked around and I was like, oh, all these people are so much more into this than I am, and I hate it. Wow. So I decided to be an actor because <laughs> that's what you do at twenty four. Good bet. And yeah. You're like, yeah, twenty four. This is the perfect age. Um. So then I just packed up my bags. I had like a bad breakup, and I packed up my bags and moved to Los Angeles, and I was like, I'm going to pursue acting. Just like that. Well, I had taken. I took one acting class in in Austin with this great teacher. It, do you have Austin fans on your show? Sure, yeah. yeah. So you're they they, they the will place, know yeah. them. It's um, I know her, her name is Mona Lee, and she's awesome. And she like really encouraged me. She was like, "You should move to LA. Like you're really good at this." And I was like, "Yeah, I should move to LA. I have no experience. And I know nobody. That's a great idea." And so I moved to LA, and um, and then yeah, and the, this, rest
0: <laughs> the rest is history. The rest is history. so you just took a few acting classes, and then you were like, "I'm gonna just give this a go. Just do it." Awesome. And you're 24
2: years old. I am a... Yeah. Yeah. Which is a little older for most actors if if you like... You know, I feel like a lot of people start acting when they're like 16, 17, or they move to LA Mm -hmm. when they're 18, or they go to school for acting at least, but um, it was good for me to have a background in something else and... Uh, it, yeah, it was just good for me to like take a little bit of a like learn more about real life before yeah, I became acting yeah. life, which is also real life, but sometimes it's not real life. So yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we I mean, that's something we hear over and over on the show, too, is that, you know acting is basically. What what was the saying? I think Mark Atterbury said. He said acting is autobiography. Yeah. So the more kind of the the more rich and diverse personal experience you have, the more you can bring to your work. Totally, I agree. Yeah.
2: I agree. And I I mean I love history. Like history is one of my passions. And so like having that background and and it's such a history is storytelling. Like that's all mm-hmm. it is. History is storytelling from a viewpoint. You know. And um, I think that that's really interesting because. The one thing you learn in college, which they don't talk about as much in high school, is that, you know, history is told by the people who want to te- who tell win, right? History is told by the winners. just told by the people who want to tell it. In college, you get to learn history from other viewpoints as well. And I think that that's really interesting because it gives you um, point of view, which is really important for actors because sure, yeah. you need to know your point of view and know – storytelling from a point of view and how that can change what the story is.
0: Totally. So mm. you moved out here at 24 with, with that as your kind of principal background yeah. and just a little, a few acting classes under the bell, And then, and then what? You got here and then what happened? How did you get started?
2: Oh, I don't know. I lived in like, so I, I called my best friend at the time and I was, she was living in Chicago and I was like, Hey, I think I'm just going to like move to Los Angeles and be an actress. And my friends were like, what the hell? I thought you were, they, they were all graduate students or, you know, in politics or some or things along those lines. Um, and, uh, my best friend was living in Chicago and she hated it. And she was like, I'll come down with you for like three months. So we shared this, like, Shitty, like, uh, like, what do you call it? Not even one room, like, it's like one room garage apartment where we like slept in beds that were like literally sat right next to each other, which you were like 24, is like way too old to Been be doing there and that. Done shit. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, fa- yeah, I found it on Craigslist and I had a friend that had lived in LA and I was like, is this a good address? And he was like, yeah, I think so. And I, so I lived off of Pico, it was not a good address, I'll tell you that. And, um, yeah, I started pursuing acting and kind of just went full force with it. And I was like, I'm going to give myself a year. And if I, like it after a year i'll stay and if not i'll move back to austin and um i liked it a lot so i stayed
0: wow yeah wow so it was it was a, a year if i like it or not not whether or not i meet with success
2: yeah totally and wow. i mean which is yeah i mean i think which is and my friend was here for like three months and then she left so then it was just me by myself which i liked it a lot less then. but i was having like some success like i did a couple short films and i got a job i sort of liked and like which is kind of the way I live my life though. Like if I don't like something, I'm probably not going to do it. And I will probably, yeah. Or I'm going to, I'm going to exit it as quick as possible. Like Hmm. there's that whole thing. You know how people say this? I'm sure people say this on the show where they go. Um, if you can do something else besides acting, you should go do that thing. You know how people always say that? I don't believe that. I think it's bullshit. I think if, I could do a ton of other stuff. I'm super smart. Are you kidding? Like, I'm really, like, I could teach. I have a master's degree in history. Like, I could go teach graduate school. I'd probably be decently happy doing that. I could go. I would love to be, like, a gardener. I'm into gardening. Like, and there's a lot of things I'd be interested in doing. But I think one thing that makes me happy is acting. So I think if you're happiest doing acting, if you're happy doing acting, that's what you should do. If you're no longer happy doing it, don't fucking do it anymore because it's really hard. Like, Mm. not that... I mean, I think... There's just that, that saying, I feel like gets in people's way, because they're like, if you could do something else, go pursue that thing. It's like, no, pursue the thing that you want to be doing. Yeah, Like, listen to your heart, because you probably yeah. know what you should be doing, and you'll know if it's not what you should be doing. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who shouldn't be doing it.
0: So when you came, when you yeah, true, <laughs> true, 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 true. story. When you came out here, uh, did you feel like this was your calling, so to speak, or was this more just like along the lines of like, oh, I think I'll try it?
2: That one. It was more, it like, was more I, like I think I'll this try. is going to be a really neat experience. When I was a kid, I did acting in like local theater in East Texas. <laughs> um, so you know, I did like best Christmas pageant ever, and like you know those kind of things. Awesome. And I loved it. It was I I it was like I was really passionate about it at the age of like seven. And then in high school, I didn't like theater class because i i just I wasn't as into it. I've always been really tiny as a person, so like I, I feel like I didn't look old enough for a lot of the plays and like so I took like a semester of theater or class of theater and I hated it um so I really didn't it was like something I went back to and was like, what did I always want to do before I wanted to be a professor and it was acting but from like the age of seven like that mm. was when I remembered liking it
0: do you have um uh, people or films or projects that inspire you that you, from like childhood on, you were just like that. Like for me, for instance, it's for some reason, it's Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters. I love it. That's my thing. That's so cool. And that's what drives me. Do you oh have something like that?
2: Did you just go watch it? It was just in theaters again. Did you uh,
0: okay. No, I didn't. No. I, I heard about it, but yeah. I did just watch an alien documentary with Dan Aykroyd. <gasps> he's like a big UFO, UFO, ufologist. Is that how you say it? Oh,
2: I didn't know that about him. Yeah, and oh, he's oh, just a whole documentary on YouTube,
0: and he just, it's basically one long interview with him talking about. UFOs and how we're at the tipping point. We're about to the government's about to reveal everything. It's like Dan Ay- Dan Aykroyd, really. Anyway,
2: I'm I, I in part believe that as I, well. So <laughs>
0: I know that's. I'm that's, with you, Dan. I'm with you, totally. Dan. When, um, when we start my my UFO podcast, we'll have do you well, back I'm, Okay. Uh, but yeah, do you have any anybody like
2: that? Um. No, I mean, so there's this story that my mother always tells. It my this is like a personal story, but my grandmother um was an act. She pursued acting when she was younger. And um, she even moved to New York and was like, I'm going to be an actress. And, like, she did theater. And then she met my grandfather and um, in, like, North Carolina. And he was, like, you know, if you go... She, they were, like, she was going back to New York or something. And she said, "If you, he said, if you go back to New York, I'm not going to be here when you get back. So she stayed. She didn't end up pursuing acting. So that was always sort of an inspirational story where I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the, the other thing, where right. you go and do the thing you want to be doing. Um, but, like, as far as, like, famous... Things like, I mean, I definitely have like movies that like have stuck with me, but there's not one that I was like, "This is the move. This is the thing I want to be doing." Like, it was mm-hmm. more like, "I'm kind of good at this. I like doing it. I'm pretty expressive. I like storytelling." Um, so it sort of fits with everything I enjoy. I was thinking on the drive here about um, when I moved. I moved to LA eight years ago, and there was nothing like this, like a podcast, yeah. like a. Um, yeah. Like, podcasts were not really around. Maybe they were, but I feel like they really didn't... They're seeing their heyday, like, right now. But, like... Maybe five years ago, people started listening to podcasts more, right? So I was thinking, I was like, "How the fuck did I know anything about L.A.?" Like, I remember I bought a book from Mona Lee that was like, "Here's how you act," and then I took a class about from her that was like, "What to do if you move to L.A." But otherwise, it was like I didn't know anybody. Like, I remember I had an agent in Texas who would get me auditions in L.A. at the time, and um, and I had and she had one other client out here, and I called and met up with him because I was like, "Oh, he's going to help me," and like, but I was like, "How the hell did I know how to do anything?" Like. With, and this kind of podcast is so helpful because it like makes everything more realistic. You get like idea, like everything just like seems so much not easier, but at least you have much more advice now. Yeah,
0: yeah, the information's out there, which yeah. is the whole point of it. You know, it's like I the reason we started this was because I hated that I had to pay for this kind of information everywhere I went. Oh yeah, everyone like, was trying to, to make a business out of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Fuck can, that. Noise. Can somebody just tell me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. why does this have to cost thirty five dollars?
2: Yeah, no, someone should definitely tell you. And there's so many people who have the who have. I mean, everybody's path is very different. Like, mm. I have a very weird path to getting into acting, and I always tell people, I'm like, don't try to do what I did because it was so stupid. Like, it was so dumb. I, pro- I could have failed so miserably. <laughs> but, I mean, but do what you think is right. And I think, like, just hearing these stories is so helpful for people, you know? Cool. It, it would have been helpful for me, at, very, at the very least.
0: Cool. Yeah. Actually, on that note, just because I'm always interested in the kind of nuts and bolts stuff. Yeah. So, when you moved to L.A., you said you got a, a, a sort of side job or a day job, yeah. or what we call a thrival job. Ooh, I like that. Um, right, that thrival. I think, actually, came up with that term oh, um, I
2: love her.
0: but uh what what did you do what was that job for you
2: um i first worked at a color me mine and it was Dude, i worked at color me mine in philadelphia <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible job oh, um man. what people don't know is i don't know if you had this problem, but i it was a crappy hourly but then you got tips because oh, wow. I worked in Beverly Hills. So okay. there was like these like bitchy ladies who come in and I take care of their kids for an hour and then they would like leave me money. It was just pretty awesome. Wow. Um, I did that. But then I got a sweet job at um, uh, Real Food Daily, which is this very great I vegan restaurant of Daily. such good food. Um, really awesome people. I was literally at an audition sitting next to this girl and she was like, oh, I work at Real Food Daily. And I was like, can you get me a job there? And she did, which was so nice. Like thinking nice. I lived in LA for like three months or something and she got me a job there. So I did that, and then um, I got a job as a script reader, uh, which was something that I loved, and I still am very uh, – I love reading scripts. I probably read – God, well, during pilot season, I probably read, like, six scripts a week. Now, I, like, during not pilot season, I probably read two or three, just because when people send me their scripts, I actually read them. Like, you know, you know, in L.A., people are like, "We you read my script? And we are like, yeah. yeah, no one reads it. Um, I read it. I want to read everybody's script. Like, I love storytelling. I love the mechanics of scripts, and – um that was where I learned that. I didn't know. And so I read for um, a management company called um, Media Talent Group at the time. Um, Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton and a couple other people uh, were represented by them. So I'd read scripts like for Angelina Jolie and like write whether or not I liked them. And then I ended up working for CAA doing script reading.
0: Wow, not a bad gig.
2: No, it was great. And then what's the really crazy part is that that management company ended up being my management company. Um I worked went and worked for them and was like this crazy crappy assistant, like like low maybe it was no pay, maybe it was intern. I don't remember. And um, one of the assistants there got moved up and when I got on Heroes I called him and was like, hey and he was like, okay. oh I'll take you anytime you want me to take you. And so I ended up with this great manager. Wow, out of
0: that. that's great. So it was a combination of the, of the personal relationship with built up and also having something like Heroes on your resume.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, Sweet. for sure. He had been um giving me advice he's still my manager. Um, he had been giving me advice uh, even like as I was going, I'd be like, Hey, I'm pursuing this acting thing. Like, do you have advice? And I would go to him when I had got on shows or when I needed advice on other things. Cool. And then once I had that on my resume, cause it was such a big boom for me, like it, yeah. it, it brought him on. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of heroes, run. tell us about your first big gig, the first big gig you booked.
2: My what first, was that like? Yeah. My first big, gig was Friday night lights, which is where I, when people, <laughs> this is why my path I think is very crazy. Um, I, so when I was living in Austin, um, I got an agent there with my first acting class. Um, I did like an acting showcase and I signed with an agency there called Chow. I always like to know who people signed with. Chow. I, I, Chow it's like C I A O. But now oh. they're called, um, the Atherton group and they're great. And I still work with them. So Chow was a way cooler name. Yeah, Well, you know, but it's confusing. <laughs> whatever. Um, so I signed with Chow and they were like one of the, at the time, this was like eight years ago or whatever. They were like, um, one of the bigger agencies in Texas. And um, they were casting the pilot of Friday Night Lights and it was my only audition I ever had in Austin and I went in for the Tyra role on Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. And um, I met the casting director. So then I moved to LA and um, I would get calls for Friday Night Lights because they, they liked me in the, in the audition. I would fly myself back to Austin to audition for roles on Friday Night Lights. Wow. And I flew myself back three times. Didn't get any of them. Um, so this is where I'm like, oh, and I was putting thousands of dollars in my credit card because you get it the day before, you know, two yeah, days before. And yeah. so I'd, I'd buy a ticket the next day and fly out.
0: For like a grand, right? Or, right. Yeah. Um, ridiculous. on,
2: you know, a waiter, on a, I wasn't even a waiter, I was like a hostess, a hostess salary. And then I was shooting, I booked this movie in Louisiana. Um, another one I flew myself out to Louisiana for because I got an agent out I had an agent out in Louisiana and I still work with them as well. And um I got a call and they were like, Can you be here tomorrow to audition for Friday Night Lights? And I was like, Yeah, and I drove overnight from Louisiana audition for Friday Night Lights, and that's the role that I got that really wow. kinda of put me. Yeah. And that was one of those roles where like I'd done other stuff, but I was still waiting tables and then the writer's strike happened. So let me back up. So I did um I worked on Friday Night Lights, but my first day was the first day of the writer's strike. So I was booked as a recurring character and I did my three episodes and the show ended. The show ended for yeah, that season. Yeah. So I went back to LA and started waiting tables again at Real Daily, And the show started airing. And like, it, as you know, like in LA, it was like a big show. Like people really loved it. Like it was like such a, like casting directors loved it. And it like made, it made all the difference in my career. Like it went from being called into like, you know, pretty decent things, but, you know, not that much TV, you know, not big films to being called in for TV and like cool stuff all the time. But it was also like, I was still like working, like I was packing takeout food. That was my job there at the time. And people would be like, aren't you on Friday night lights <laughs> right now? And I was like, yes, do You're you need like, silverware with <laughs> this to go? Uh, about or? that. Let me, let me
0: explain <laughs> something to you. Yeah.
2: You don't like people think you make like a million dollars. And I was like, no, I was working as a local. Like, I think I had just got my SAG card. So I was SAG. And I, but I was working as a local, paying for my own plane ticket, staying at my friend's house, like and like. Wow. I mean, I was making like no money on that show.
1: That's
0: cool, though. I love to hear that that you 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 got the audition, and rather than doing what I think a lot of actors would do, which is just be like. You know, like that's kidding me. Like it's in Texas. Like, right. what am I going to book a plane ticket tonight and fly out? But you actually went and did that. I went
2: and booked a plane ticket. And today. then
0: and you drove to Louisiana for the, for the yeah, actual. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Like overnight I drove and then I did my audition the next morning. And I remember I was like, that was terrible. And I called my agent. I was crying. I was like, it was the worst audition I've ever had. And they totally hired <laughs> me. But they had, at that point they had seen me four, to- four or five times. You know, mm-hmm. so like they knew me. Like the producers all knew me at that point.
0: Yeah. That's cool. cool. I mean, I feel like I hear a lot of stories like that where actors, they, they just, they go all in and they're like, I don't care what it costs. I don't care how many planes I have to take. Like I'm going to be in that room and I'm going to show them who I am.
2: Right. Which is why I was like, I feel like my story is kind of crazy. Like, I don't know if it's the best idea to be like, I'm going to put thousands and thousands of dollars on my credit card, but I did it and it worked out okay for me in the end. (laughs) But it was, you know, I mean, yeah, it was a. It was it was good for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. everybody else should do it, but because yeah. yeah, now yeah. you send a tape and people watch them. At mm-hmm. the time, like this was, so I, I got Friday Night Lights about two years, maybe a little less than two years after I moved to LA. But it was like even then, like yeah, people I mean, weren't taking yeah. tapes as much, yeah. right? Like yeah. so, it was like a little. You had to kind of be there.
0: So here's a question then: yeah. If if it were today, 2014, yeah. and it was the same situation, you had the option to fly out or send a tape.
2: Am I at where I am in my career?
0: No. Let's say you're starting now. Oh. Let's say you're you where you were.
2: I'd probably still send a tape. I yeah? probably send a tape now because I feel like people actually watch tapes now like i booked something off of a tape earlier this year that i sent to oh, louisiana cool. for a role right um yeah i'll be in pitch perfect too in 2015 um, for <laughs> nice. real. um so and they booked me off a tape like i was not i didn't fly to louisiana to audition for that even mm. though it was like a role that was working like locally and stuff cool yeah
0: Right on. Yeah, it's it's tricky because we you know, you have the whole like in-person sort of presence thing which really can work for or totally, against you. Totally. Um which which can justify a plane ticket. Yeah. Uh, but then you also have the tape thing which is like that's way easier for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, my theory was that um since I lived in LA, this is a terrible theory, but I at the time I was like, I live in LA. At the time I was auditioning commercially a lot. I was going out for a lot of stuff here, so I was auditioning a couple times a week here, right? So I figured compared to the people who are going to be in Texas, like I was way more experienced, even though just by the fact that I was out there auditioning. So I was like, I'm going to kick all their asses. So I just like, kept flying out there thinking like, there has to be some point that like, I'm going to be better than these people because like, I'm more experienced.
0: Right, right, right. I don't know. Right on. Terrible theory. But... No, no, that's great. I love the competitiveness, you know?
2: Right.
0: Because, you know, in a way we're all in the same boat, yeah. but also at the same time, it's like, well, you know, you know, You walk in and those eight other girls that look, walk, talk, and act just like you are your competition. Yeah. And you've kind of got to work that a little bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely.
0: So you've had a really kind of great run. I mean, you've had a lot of work the past six, eight years. Yeah. Um, So what what prompted you then to dip into the DIY bucket and and start writing and producing and acting in your own stuff?
2: (laughs) Uh, I mean, I wasn't super happy, I would say. I mean, I like... I love working in TV. That's, like, that is my passion. That's one of my passions. Like, I love showing up to a television set. Um, I think it's very um, family-oriented. Like, I feel like you become family with the people there because you're there every week, and you get to, like, I did 17 episodes of Heroes. So, like, yeah. by the end of that, like, it's like, I, I know everybody like their family. Like, when I left that show, it was devastating to me. And I I think it took me a while to recover from that because that was a show I was always a recurring so I'm sure your listeners know, but like, you know, series regularly, that means you always have a job. You have a job for a while. So recurring means like, you don't know week to week. So mm-hmm. like, I never knew yeah. when I was going to be killed off on Heroes, which I assumed would happen at some point. Um, but they kicked me on for a really long time. So I, I loved doing it, but, um, I just, I, after Heroes, I went and did a bunch of movies and like did some indie stuff and I did some bigger stuff and, um, I just wasn't happy with the amount of work I was doing. So, I signed on with a big agency when I got on Heroes and and we ended up having a big falling out cuz I wanted to do a little indie movie acting and they were they were not thrilled about that. Really? And so, yeah.
0: Why? What was their justification?
2: Um, well, I should I say? I, well, anyway, so I was with Paradigm. I'll, I'll just talk okay. about it. I don't care. Boom, there it is. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, it was pilot season after I did Heroes. And so, of course, they wanted me to do pilot season. Sure. And at the time, I was like, look, I've done TV for a year. I want to try to do some indie movies. Like, I hadn't really done that many indie movies. Like, I, I kind of jumped straight into television and didn't get to do the movie world. And I got offered this role in this adorable movie called Homecoming, um, about a girl who is, uh, off in, uh, I guess at the time it would have been Iraq. So she's in Iraq fighting, comes home and has to deal with like the repercussions of her family changing and her friends changing while she's been gone. It was like an adorable little indie movie. It's never actually come out, so this is a crazy okay. fight that I fought that <laughs> you know, again, is like me making a choice where I'm like, I'm gonna be happiest doing this. Maybe it's not the best choice for me, but whatever. And um they were like, No, we want you to do pilot season and I was like, Go fuck yourself on the horse you rode in on. I'm gonna go do this thing and I did. And um, my manager, you know, bless his heart, he st- stuck by me and he was fine wow. with that. You know, he was, was like, you know, whatever was going to make you happiest. So I did that, which was a little bit of a, like, I mean, I went with like, um, a year without an agent. It meant that, um, I, I mean, I got other roles, like, thank God, like my, um, the horror and sci-fi world has been like incredibly kind to me and been what, like the, the fans in that world are so amazing. And so I constantly, I get offers for roles and I get jobs just by, um, being in relationship in in that world. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, so it was just a little bit of a downhill and I was like not happy because I was like going out for these guest stars and stuff that I was like, and I had an agent, I ended up signing with another agency and it was just, everything was blah. I I mean, I guess I'm like roundabout saying like, I didn't like what I was doing. I was not happy with what I was doing. You
0: were working a lot, but you just weren't digging what you were doing.
2: I was working enough to make a living, but I wasn't, it's the, it's that thing. It's the thing that happens to actors where we go like, okay what am i doing with my day like i'm gonna sit here and wait for the phone to ring and uh god i hope someone calls me in an audition and, and i know now especially having worked on the other side of things like you go into an audition like i work my fucking ass off like i work with my coach i like running with my friends i do all this crap and then i go in and they make an offer to someone bigger or they hire someone else who looks just like me or they hire someone else who doesn't look like me and at the end of the day any of those options it doesn't matter it wasn't my role to begin with it just wasn't mine like they didn't like me when i walked in the room and that's not something i can control like and now that i cast my own things i know like when i look at someone i go like they're just not them They're not it. yeah. it's not th- it's not personal it's just like they're not the character they're i good. want them to be they're
0: fine they're it great not and like it.
2: when people are like oh you can change their mind And i'm like rarely it's mm. really rare i would yeah. say like probably not like because i can probably find the person i'm looking for i probably find the person that looks like the role that i want and they'll be good you know <laughs> yeah. like i mean because there's so many good actors in la like there's so many of us and they're all really good. And in LA you're trained and you're like good at what you do. Yeah. So I was doing the waiting thing and I'm sure you guys talk about this. It was just like, I just was like, I felt not productive. And I like did that book. What's that book? The artist way.
0: Yeah. we got two of those. Oh my God. Over and I got too. like so
2: depressed doing that book. I was like, Oh, my life is terrible and I hate everything. And like, I got so depressed. I literally was like, maybe I should quit. Maybe I should do something else like I I just am not happy with I love auditioning I love being on set I'm not happy with the day to day of waiting like it wasn't mm-hmm. making it wasn't fulfilling me like I didn't have anything to do <laughs> mostly So I was like I'm going to write a movie as all actors do I probably wrote two or three scripts that no one will ever see because they're terrible. And then I ended up co-writing the script with a girl from my acting class. whose name is Vera Meow. And that's the movie we went on to make.
0: Cool. Best friends forever. Best right? friends forever. Yeah. And, uh, I, I know what it's about, but can you oh. tell our, our listeners what, uh, mm-hmm. what the premise is?
2: Two girls go on a road trip from Los Angeles to Austin. <laughs> um, obviously it's a little, um, <laughs> autobiographical. And, uh, while they have happen- it, while they, uh, Or uh, on the road trip, uh, atomic bombs, nuclear bombs explode in the United States, but they don't know what's happened. So, like the road trip, the world starts to fall apart. But at the same time, their friendship is also falling apart. Wow, it's drama. So, but sci-fi, I guess. What was the
0: inspiration for that? Where did Um, that come from? I
2: was actually driving. We were no originally we were writing a horror movie. So we both love horror. And then we watched this movie called Martyrs. Have you seen this movie, Martyrs? No. Okay, don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. Actually, they're remaking it for America. Um, it's a French movie, and it's horrifying. And it made me go, like, I don't want to make another horror movie. Like, I've done a lot of horror, and I don't want to be running around crying. And, you know, just I just don't want to do it. It wasn't, like, where I wanted to be at that moment. So I was driving across Texas. I think I was driving home to see my dad. And when you're out there, there's nothing. Like, it's like you're literally... Like you drive and you won't have reception for miles. There's no fucking radio stations for miles. Like you'll be in the middle of nowhere. And so like I called my friend when I got reception and I was like my friend Vera and I was like, hey, I what if we wrote a movie about a road trip? And I pitched her the idea and she's like, let's do it. This sounds perfect. And we wrote it. And then um, I wasn't attached to direct it originally, but our director we had a director team attached and they fell out. And so I was like, why don't I just direct this movie? And me again falling into things because. I somehow learn by I have to throw myself into things to learn whether or not I want to mm-hmm. do it and if I like it. So that's it's always trial by fire with me and I so I just did it. Same with acting, same with all cool, of it. cool yeah. yeah.
0: I think that's 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 the way to do it really most of the time. You just kinda of rip the band aid off and just all in, all in, because that's really the best way to learn. You kind of get thrown to the wolves and yeah, you figure be, it out. You're
2: going to mess up a whole bunch, but you know, you're yeah. going to mess up even if you like prepare every day for your whole life. So like yeah. for me, I'd rather go ahead and just make the mistakes and like fuck up and it's gonna, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it, it'll be great or it won't be, like, you know, like, but it won't be great if I didn't try. So maybe as well just try it
0: totally cool so what was that like then first time director first well not first time kind of produced screenwriter right Uh, what was that like also acting in that
2: horrible it was horrible
0: (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez I know I know I shouldn't say
2: that but like it was really hard it was um because I had written it, because I was starring in it, and because um, I was directing it, it was just a lot. It was a lot to do at the time. Um, my team was super inexperienced because I hired like a bunch of my friends, which that would be super fun. It wasn't a great idea, um, <laughs> but I loved it and I learned so much out of it. About I learned a lot out of doing that, and that, and it made me go like, okay, I want to create stuff. It took. I had a recovery period afterwards for sure. Like, I worked on that movie. I didn't do much acting for a while because I was working on post on that movie, on Best Games Forever for much longer than people are normally in post because I couldn't decide what I wanted and I was unhappy and I had to hire a different, I fired an editor and hired a new one and was doing, it was just, it was, it was a mess as things tend to be. And, um, so it took me almost a year to finish it and I didn't do much acting during that. Mm. Um, which is fine. It just means that, you know, I, I went through all my savings and was broke. <laughs> Okay, you know, it's like eventually, like, I have enough faith in myself that I would make enough money to survive, which I did. And that was all the, that was fine. Mm. So I finished it. And then um, we premiered at uh, Slamdance last year. It was awesome. It was super fun. and But I needed a little bit of recovery time before I wanted to make something else. It took me a minute, for sure. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. Here's what it was. It was. It sucked, and it was really hard. And but it made me go like, "Oh, I can do that." All these things these other people are doing, like when I go audition for these SAG Ultra Low movies or whatever. Like, I I can do that shit. That shit's not hard. Like, I mean, it's hard, but like I can do it. You know, and yeah. I can do it myself. And that was. It just gave me a sense of confidence that I was like, okay, I don't have to wait around for the phone to ring. I don't have to go work on some movie that I don't want to fucking do that makes me that like, you know, I have to like show my titties or something like I don't have to do that shit. Like I can make my own thing and make a living at it or at least make art and know that i'll be happy doing that Mm, mm -hmm. which is what's important i think yeah and now it's so easy like i mean it's like so easy to get a fucking camera and just shoot stuff like everybody should be really
0: good looking stuff yeah yeah i mean like
2: every actor should be just be making stuff like constantly i i i I just like firmly believe that it's just not there's so many outlets now for for us to watch things and us to do things on you have to start making stuff
1: everyone welcome back hope you dug trev's well the first part of trev's interview with bria grant and uh any uh sort of debriefing type stuff with trev on on this one
0: uh you know i just i'm really inspired by her i really really am um it's it's really great to follow her to follow i'm sorry to follow eric's uh interview series up with bria's because it's very much in the same kind of track except bria comes from more of like the performer sort of Uh, producer and actor kind of, kind of side of things. And, Mm -hmm. uh, really a lot of the good stuff for me. Some of the stuff that really kind of like made me rethink some of my strategies and, and thoughts about how to, how to go about things DIY wise uh come in the second part so i I almost don't want to try oh got it it. i want people to kind of take what they will from it and maybe we can debrief uh debrief it next episode or after part three if there is a part three i haven't cut this one yet
1: got it got it cool yeah right on all right man what's your pick of the week
0: my pick of the week my (laughs) pick of the week is a podcast podcast called song exploder Uh, I'm not sure if any of our listeners are fans of Austin Kleon. He wrote a really good book, uh, two really good books, called uh, How to Steal Like an Artist and Show Your Work. And they're short little books. You can read them in one sitting, but they're so essential for, I think, anybody who's creative these days, especially on the Internet. Uh, Really just essential stuff. And he has a newsletter that he sends out every Friday that I subscribe to. And I always love getting it. It's like Christmas because there's always great links to things. And on one of the most recent newsletters, he had been asked to submit a song for this newsletter called Five Song Fridays, where this guy uh, who runs this podcast, Song Exploder, shares five songs that are picked from kind of Internet celebrities around the, the web and uh, and I was like, so I followed the the kind of links to this guy's podcast and started listening to it. And it's so great. It's it's basically a guy who who interviews artists, everybody from like garbage to spoon to like people you've never heard of, and he has them deconstruct one of their songs. So they literally sit down and they talk about what was going on in their life when they wrote the song, uh, you know, and they talk about how they tracked it. You know, sometimes they just did it in their you know garage with like a four track recorder, and they just and they 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 play the stems individually and then they talk about who they brought on to kind of assemble the whole thing and the process of putting the song together together and then at the very end of the episode they play the full song that sounds awesome it's cool and every episode's only like 15 minutes so they're super bite-sized you can just listen to them all in one hit it comes out bi-weekly so twice a month and it was recently a featured podcast on the itunes store and it's only been around for a few months uh, so, songexplorer.net. I, I, you know, I love music. Always been big into music, and this is like just I'm like a kid in a candy store listening to this because I get to hear about the process behind these, these things. It's just a, a great uh, sort of artistic exploration. So, highly recommend uh song. That sounds Explorer. so
1: cool. Yeah. Aside from my singing, I don't really consider myself a musician per se. Uh, as in, you know, being a music producer, like putting the music together, but I'm, but I am fascinated. I do love music and I'm fascinated by it. And I think I might, uh, have to tune into a couple of these. That sounds cool.
0: Yeah. I think he'll dig it. And it's really professionally done too. It's, he does a good job at, uh, producing it. It's very professional. Uh, what's your pick of the week? I mean, I'm I'm looking at it, but tell our listeners (laughs) what your pick of the week is.
1: Um, so I, I said on the previous podcast that I had a meeting for the TV show, The Following, and as you know research before the uh audition in order to get the tone of the show i watched uh, the first uh episode or two and like a drug i got addicted (laughs) it totally sucked me in and i ended up uh, i mentioned earlier in the episode i've been doing my taxes i ended up throwing on you know on the on the apple tv uh, the 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 first season and it just you know kept going from episode to episode to episode and within like three four five days something like that i had binge watched the entire first season while whilst you know doing my my taxes brilliant brilliant stuff so
0: what um, i i haven't seen that my roommates have, have watched it a bunch of times <coughs> but i haven't seen it can you give us like a little 30 second version about what what the plot is or what the show's about
1: yeah, it's basically it's it's a it's a serial, but it's it's like a serial crime drama. So it's not you know it's not like you know it's the CSIs or whatever, which are episodic. It's 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 um, it tells one you know narrative narrative arc, um, and it's about this uh, this this c- college professor who basically goes crazy um, because he has this. M- thing where he enjoys murdering people uh and comedy so it's a comedy yeah no uh he starts a cult based on the writings of Edgar Allan Poe it's like oh that's cool that's like his his cult and and and, you know Edgar Allan Poe is fascinated with the uh, with the idea of death and the beauty of death and everything and so he convinces all these people that in death there is beauty and convinces them all to do insane things for him specifically murdering people but um a bunch of other things as well and so it just becomes crazy because the cult keeps you know gr- growing and you don't know who's in it and who's not so it's really like it's Man. it's scary because you know the person right next to you could be involved you know that kind of thing it's Ugh. it's re- it's really really Tense it's and like, intense it, it, and it's, scary. It's like
0: Fight Club almost. I just finished reading the book. I love the movie, but I've never read the book. And in the book, mm. it's like, he talks about how like everybody, all these guys are members of Fight Club. No matter where you go, there's like somebody like nodding at you or something. Yeah, like cops yeah. and cooks and like postal yeah. postal
1: workers and yeah, it's crazy, man. So it's this, more.
0: and this is uh this is Kevin Bacon, right?
1: Kevin Bacon is the is the lead. Yeah, Dude, the if show. you if
0: you when you book it one of these days. <laughs> Uh, you'll be. We'll, I'll be. I'll be one degree from Kevin Bacon. That'll be oh my awesome. god, that would be. Awesome. And you will be. Well, you'll I, be, you'll I, be zero I, degrees. You'll be like I'm touching Kevin Bacon right now.
1: I will. No, I no, will. Man. You bet your ass. If I'm in a scene with him, I will be inviting him on the show. Hell, um, yeah. because you know, one of our upcoming guests, Arian, is going. Is was in the first season. You know, uh, uh, our previous guest, uh, Marcy Leroff sort of gave him his big breakout role in footloose yeah so yeah. you know I have, I have i have i have a little bit of buying power with him <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah right man name drop a little bit and there it yeah, is. yeah there it is cool man all right the following and i believe that's on i know it's on hulu plus do you know it's, if it's on hulu
1: plus on? and and netflix and netflix and is. actually the day the day that this episode Airs so as you're listening to this, season two will have just gone on on Netflix. Oh,
0: score! Well, I know what I'm yeah. doing this weekend.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm <sweet>. sorry. <laughs> um, so we already talked about our, our listener pick, which was the uh, which was Freddie's uh, link to uh, Truth Teller 59 s yep. blog. So check that out. Link will be on our website. Our patron of the week is. Logan Nelson, Logan, we need your your headshot and your uh, your little bio and your in your links to put up on our on our website.
0: Yes, please send it. We've only got a handful of people that have not sent us stuff yet, but uh, would love to just have your stuff there so everybody can kind of know that you are awesome, that you are uh, a, a, a crucial part of our family. So uh, please send it on. And if you're listening to this and you thought, and you're thinking, oh, is my stuff up on there? I don't, I don't think it is. Um, you can check. Just go to our website, click on the Patrons tab, and if it's not, it's super easy to send it to us. Just send us your Twitter bio to start it with a little headshot or something. It's easy.
1: Easy peasy. Um,
0: yeah, but, Logan, thank you for your support, dude. Can't uh, do it without you. No.
1: you pay, uh, pay, uh, info or not, you're still a patron. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> So for episode 163, there's a lot of different ways that you guys can support and love up the podcast if you feel so inclined. Uh, You can start by going to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com, where you can leave a comment on the episode. You can email us at uh, InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com, or if you want to get your voice on the show, and we would love that. We've got an email or two already banked that we're going to be kind of playing and talking about soon. But you also can leave us an email at two one three two actors the best voicemail line for an acting podcast ever that's 213-222-8677 and you can find us on itunes we have a facebook page a facebook group we have a twitter account we also have our individual twitter accounts uh, everything is inside acting or trevor algott or digital actor or aj meyer you can just start you go to our website it's all there <laughs> and, uh, and also we're on iTunes if you, uh, if you feel like you know what I love this show I don't have a few bucks to donate at this moment but I, would, I really want to pay it forward and support them leave us a review on iTunes a, a positive review on there goes uh, a long way social proof word of mouth that's really kind of what what, uh, what keeps everything kind of going besides you know dollars and change So, uh, we would love a positive review on iTunes. And of course, if you do have a few bucks that you want to send our way, head over to our website, hit the donate button, uh, on the right hand side and you can donate once just one time and be done with it and never look back if you'd like, or you can become a recurring monthly contributor. Uh, in which case you'll earn the title of patron and you'll also earn a spot on our patron page and you'll be, uh, kind of spotlighted in an upcoming episode. So, um, pick your treasure.
1: <laughs> I like that. Keeps was it like, nice and positive. Yeah, I was
0: like, "Don't call it poison, driver. Don't call it poison." Uh, is that? I think that's that covers all the bases. Yeah. Yeah, you, you
1: you did well, <laughs> <Thank> That was you. <laughs> that was everything.
0: When you press the button on that last part, that's one thing that I can do well on this show is I can do the last segment uh, straight through without even giving you a chance to speak. How about that? I just hog it all.
1: I I was relaxing, bro. I <laughs> was chilling.
0: <laughs> You're just hanging out, man. Sipping my tea. We have a whole team of people that make this thing possible. Uh, Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Cesar Gamino is our technical producer. Gadala Gubarek is our marketing and web director, and Deborah Smith is our community manager. Of course, a huge thanks to all of our patrons who keep the bus, uh, the, the electric uh, battery hybrid bus <laughs> chugging along, hydrogen fuel with zero carbon emissions. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, of course, I'm your co-host, Trevor Algott.
1: I'm A.J. Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, solve some problems. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your character and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com/download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com/download.